cutting through the clutter to bring you the people and stories that matter to you. WSJ Podcasts, sound ideas. Coming up. Today on Watching Your Wealth, how to instill gratitude in your children. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Advice for making, keeping, and protecting your money. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. This is Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Nathan Duncan is the owner of Share, Save, Spend, and he's an expert in helping wealthy families speak about money. He's here to tell us how we can instill gratitude in our children. Welcome, Nathan. Great to be with you, Veronica. Thank you. My pleasure. Great to have you. So, Nathan, it's the season of plenty for many wealthy families, and sometimes children, despite how much they have, can act ungrateful. Why is that? Well, I think, Veronica, we want to start with this idea, the notion really that you know, being ungrateful is a learned behavior, right? Mm. I mean, it's not something that just shows up one day like a present under the, you know, under the tree or whatever holiday that you celebrate. But it's really often we see that it's linked to prior events. Maybe that's day-to-day kinds of things or things like this time of year over-the-top holiday celebrations, um, extravagant vacations perhaps, and even birthday parties that really collectively all contribute to this state of being and... Mm-hmm. You know, often, too, the learned behavior we, we really see is um, t- tends to be fueled by the adults in the mm-hmm. lives of the children. Mm. And it's not, you know, that they're trying to do them harm. It's just you sort of get caught up in this notion of what I call comparonomics or mm-hmm. whatever you're trying to do. And, and then it flows over to the children who don't have the same kind of ability or capacity to manage that. That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I would think, you know, the parents, for the most part, are well-intentioned. They're not trying to create monsters. But what do you say to a parent who says, you know, I'm just giving my child what uh, our neighbors give them? Even, right. the, you know, I guess that's to your point of comparonomics, but it's like, oh, we're not going overboard. We're just kind of keeping pace with our neighborhood. Well, and I, I think they want to step back and think about a few things because there's been some studies that have been done recently um, and more and more data is coming out saying that, you know, buying children more stuff, um, A, does definitely does not contribute to their well-being. So that's an important data point. And then also it's that it, it may actually diminish their well-being, so much so that as they um, a, a recent study looked at a number of adults who materialism was very present in their lives as children, and what they discovered is that, you know, this is a high-stakes issue because the materialism, it fueled depression later in life, anxiety, hmm. you know, challenges in, in marriages. Hmm. So I think it's it, what seems like maybe not a big deal, like, well, everyone else is doing it, and maybe that's right the point, which is, right. hmm, should, I, should I be kind of swimming in that stream or stepping back and saying, what are the downstream, you know, effects or impact on, on doing this? And again, what we're finding is that it's, it's really not great. And the effects, to your point, are not just uh, what's happening now, but down the road in your child's life when they become an adult and have to adjust to reality where they may or may not have the resources you have now. And that could be Correct. a very tough reality to face. That, that's indeed the, the case. And so I think the more that parents can, can really begin to take this on and think about, okay, what, what's really right for our family versus trying to maintain this sort of you know, connection to everyone else. But I think asking that question is really critical. That's a really important question. So what are what are some tips you can give us to prevent our kids from being spoiled? And, you know, it sounds like the first one is asking what's right for us. Yeah. And, and, and then I think, you know, to push beyond that is to really think about 
so is this attitude, is it an anomaly <laughs> or is it a pattern? You know, mm. Because kids go through phases, I mean, let's face it, and so you don't want to overreact. And if you're seeing that there's a pattern there, you know, a, a really important point or question to ask is, okay, as, as the parent or maybe the grandparent, gosh, what role am I playing in contributing mm. to this attitude? Mm. Because if I don't like it, you know, most often or many times, you know, we're in that. And it's hard for us as parents to step into that, right, yeah. that question. And then I think what other factors, you know, might be on board here? Are there peers? You know, we mentioned the notion of comparonomics. So is it, you know, young people at school? I mean, is it the amount of media exposure or the marketing, you know, culture that's out there? So I think thinking about all of that, I think, is really critical. And then saying, okay, what are the benefits or the costs for me really taking this on? Mm -hmm. Now, as a parent, if you realize that you're contributing to it, in terms of your own personal behavior, what can you change? Right. And so I think part of it is to just do a bit of an inventory, Veronica, and say, okay, you know, how am I setting the tone here? Um, And is the tone something I want, or do we need to kind of dial this back? And if, and if you feel like, you know, you can see a direct link uh, between, you know, what you're doing and, and enhanced awareness about the choices you're making and how that's affecting your children, you know, there's usually some very straightforward things you can do, like, you know, toning it down, just dialing it down, dialing it down, the amount, um, and, and also recognizing things like actually screen time. You know, the amount of times that young people are in front of a screen really impacts that because it's a, it's a place now where particularly marketers, retailers can, can really micro-target things to children. Um, and we, on balance in a day, it's probably not as big of a deal, but you take that collective over the course of the whole, it matters because their brains are still developing, right? Their prefrontal cortex, it's still kind of hardwiring. So all those messages over time, they matter. It does make um, an impact. And when you it, say dial it down as you, the parent, could that also mean you're having a bad day and you want to go uh, <laughs> get a new pair of shoes, but you say to your kid, you know, I'm not going to do that because that's not the way you solve a bad day or make a bad day better, for example? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the classic retail therapy. And I mean, I think everybody does it to a point. We're kind of human that way. But just remember, again, it's about aware- if you're raising your awareness and awareness linked to your choices. And if your choices that you're making are, you know, it's the signal like, oh, I'm in this pattern, well, they're studying you. You know, they're sponges, and they're watching, watching, watching. And so if that's how you're solving your anxiety or your stress or bad day, I mean, it's no surprise then that your children might be taking that on. Good so point. It's, it, it's not a, again, it's not to say just stop everything you're doing. That's not realistic. Again, but that enhanced awareness can say a few simple kind of, oh, there's this thing or there's this thing that I'm doing, or, you know, they're kind of crabby in the store, so you're buying them things. Those little kind of things, you know, add up over time, and it starts to set a pattern and an expectation, which can lead to this kind of notion of being ungrateful. You model the behavior. Real briefly, we have about 20 seconds left. Uh, We can't solve this overnight, especially if it's a a pattern, so to speak, right? You know, if this has been happening with our kids, they're not going to change their ways, and we're not going to change our ways tomorrow. No, you, you can't change it. And, I mean, you can do awesome things like volunteering together as a family, counter rhythm kind of things that can really shift the narrative in your family. So when you can, you know, look out into the world and say, what can we do good in the world? You know, less about the stuff. We know that that really shifts the behavior and the attitude. Great tips. Thank you so much, Nathan. I really appreciate all this great info. Pleasure. And would you stick around and take our financial prowess questionnaire? Yeah. Excellent. Great. And I hope you stick around, too. Coffee? Check. Earbuds? Check. 
Make us part of your morning routine. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger. Welcome back to Watching Your Wealth. Now it's time for Nathan Dungan, owner of Share, Save, Spend, to take our financial version of the Proust. Nathan, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Nathan, what's the best financial advice you ever received? The best advice I received is invest in yourself and do what you love because the money will follow. Oh, I love that. Worst financial advice. <laughs> a home is a great investment. <laughs> that was kind of the advice is you're in the 90s and it's like, ring, ring. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Money can buy. Experiences. Mm. And experiences, you know, within reason tend to enhance our, finan- our, our well-being, and particularly our financial well-being. For sure. Money can't buy. Self-esteem. Oh, uh, good I one. think there's a false narrative that more money and more stuff yields happiness, and then there's really no, no correlation. That's really interesting. Yep. Now, if you want a million dollars after tax, what would you do with it? <laughs> after taxes, I would um, imagine, right, my answer, I'm going to share some, I'm going to save some, and I'm going to spend some, and I'll even give you percentages, right? I'm going to share 40%, I'm going to save 50%, I'll spend about 10%, maybe 20%, but by and large, you know, kind of a good life philosophy. Percentages, by the way, are personal. I'm not suggesting those are for (laughs) others, but just a little of everything to, you know, offer some balance. Great fun. Thanks so much for joining us, Nathan. Thanks, Veronica. This is In Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.